The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection. I'm your host, Linda Sharkey, and I'm delighted to be here with you today. First, I want to thank all of you for all of you great listeners for tuning into the show and making it what it is today. Today is our we're nearing our first anniversary of running the show. And I have to tell you, I was a little nervous when I first started. I never did anything like this before. And it's been so exciting because we've built a listener base that's truly global from around the world. And people repeat the shows and and come back on and listen to them after. And we have a lot of live listeners. It's, It's really very exciting. And I've been extremely fortunate and thankful I think, for having the great guests that I have. I I don't even want to begin to name all of them. They've all been wonderful, all leading thinkers in the world. And I can't express enough how humbled I am and how thrilled I am to have had the opportunity to talk with truly these outstanding leaders and thinkers in the world. And also, again, to have great, great listeners. So I thought I would do this anniversary show and kind of use it as an opportunity to sum up some of the things that I've heard and learned from the people that have been on the show. First, it occurs to me that there are emerging tenets of the new world of work. And I've been writing and speaking a lot about that lately. And secondly, there have been so many questions that people have written in around some really critical themes that I'd like to take the opportunity to talk about. So the themes have really been more around how-tos. Okay, I get the point that performance is changing or that we need to coach or that leaders need to be more about people, but how do we do that? And so I'm going to use this time to share those learning experiences with all of you And to also answer those questions that have come in from so many people around the world. But before I get into that, I just want to say I'm very excited. I'm uh, heading back out to Dubai. I'm going to be speaking there to the uh, United Arab Emirates uh, HR, uh, governmental HR department. And talking about integrated talent management and how you integrate it and make it really a powerhouse of something that's really powerful 
that you can ensure you have the best people in your organization. I'm also doing a workshop on performance excellence. You've probably heard me speak on this topic. I really think we have to move away from performance management to more of performance excellence, which I think really was the underlying purpose of the whole performance evaluation system that's gotten way out of control, way too bureaucratic, way too check the box. So we'll be talking about the how-tos around that shortly. But the workshop has just been so exciting, working with HR leaders and line managers and thinking through what really works. And you know what's shocking? I just saw a statistic from uh, Burson uh, Associates, who's part of Deloitte. Only 17% of the organization's leaders and employees who actually use a performance evaluation system like it. Resoundingly, people think it's check the box, process-laden, time-consuming, extremely bureaucratic, and by the way, does not differentiate talent. So I love that workshop. It's been really a great facilitated opportunity. We do a lot of work in collecting um, interviews with the senior leaders, and it's been quite an eye-opening experience. I'm also, uh, we're running programs around the world, which has been going on for this past year, which has been great. Trying, not trying, teaching leaders how to be global leaders in this new global world. And it's been a great experience. It's a one and a half day workshop. We take people through a simulation because not everybody can move or not everybody is going to have the opportunity to live in another part of the world. But many, many people are going to be engaged with others from other parts of the world and are experiencing others coming into their workplace from other parts of the world. And they need to learn how to really be inclusive, how to leverage this great new talent that's coming in, and how to make people feel connected when they are on global virtual teams, which is, by the way, the way of the future. So these workshops have been so powerful. It starts with a simulation. It's about three hours. And it really helps people understand what goes on both from a headquarters and a um, global perspective, what happens in uh, local markets in relationship to the headquarters, and what are the leader behaviors that really can make someone successful and what will make it them get in the way. And then we spend a lot of time talking about an inclusive culture. What does that look like? How do they move their culture to be more inclusive? And then, of course, we have a uh, assessment survey that leaders take. It's a 360 survey to see how well they will do and what are some gaps that they may have, strengths and gaps that they may have that they may, may, will need to think about as they move into a global environment. So that's just some of the stuff that's uh, on the horizon and been going on, which has truly been a game changer for me and extremely exciting. So let's talk about what I've learned and what I've heard from all these terrific people that have been on the show and things that I've read and getting prepared for the show. First of all, I'm calling these the 12 tenets of the new world of work. First of all, we are moved from an industrial base world to a much more knowledge 
faith-based world. We have lots of tools and techniques which were wonderful and emerged out of the 1950s, 60s, 70s, which still work as we go forward, but need to be tweaked, need to be changed. And we now need to think of different ways to create speed and to create engagement and to create great talent. I call that agility, organizational agility. And I had a wonderful speaker on, uh, Chris Worley, who's done a lot of study on this topic. And we talked about how do you design strategy for agility. We've also talked about how do you develop talent for agility. And some of the things that we used to do in the former world just simply are not going to work in this new world. For example, people don't like to be racked and stacked. You know, they like to be valued. They like to be treated as a human being not as a cog in the wheel, not as somebody who puts a widget in and can just go home at the end of the day. And by the way, we still have a lot of companies that treat knowledge workers as a cog in the wheel, as, in, as dispensable, as just someone else will fill your job on the street. That kind of attitude is just not going to, not going to sustain you in this new world of work. The second one is we've got to be built for transformation. So instead of change, we have to constantly be looking at ourselves for what do we need to transform to? What's that next phase and how quickly can we get there? It's sort of a subtext to agility. So what I like to say is where are we transforming to? What's that next phase of excitement and learning? that we're going to have to get under our belt? And what are the steps that we need to take to transition? So, And how do we personally have to evolve? Because once you evolve, you know, you never go back. There are very few people that are similar to the Neanderthals of the past. We've all evolved tremendously, and that will continue. And we have to get comfortable with transformation, transition, and evolution. The other item that came across loud and clear is that real leaders are essential. Leaders that care about people, that focus on people, not themselves, that are not top-down leaders, but are more servant leaders, are leaders who make themselves responsible for others, not accountable, but responsible, helping others be the best that they can be, running interference, helping people see their aspirations, helping people learn new stuff so that they can be great in their job, giving people a chance when you might not have in the past. Coaching, very big. Learning how to coach and coaching as a daily activity. Not telling people what they did wrong, which sometimes you have to do. No question about that. Not telling people what they did wrong, but helping people see how they could do it better the next time. And helping them practice that. And giving them tips. And helping them talk to other people so that they can learn and be honestly of better value to the organization. That also going in line with being a great leader of developing people, that means not hoarding talent. 
not hiding somebody who's a hypo because, oh, I might have to fill that job or somebody else might get that person. Because, by the way, if you don't help develop people, if you don't help them advance in their career, you know what they'll do. You know what we'll all do. We're all human. We'll find a job somewhere else and we'll walk out the door and guess what? You'll have to fill that job anyway. So really being leaders with heart, that comes up so often, with heart, who care about people, who focus on people, who help people be the best that they can be, is going to be essential. You know, it's not a new concept. I've said this many times on the show. Peter Block has written numerous articles and and books about the servant leader and stewardship and many other people, Seashore. They've been around for a long time. But in today's world, from what all the prevailing leaders are saying, we cannot have leaders who are top-down anymore and not have leaders that only think of themselves. Inclusion is going to be and already is huge. Moving into a global environment and moving into so much diversity in the workplace, massive demographic shifts going on in the world, and will likely continue to go on for all the reasons that we see in the, in the newspaper and other reasons, economic reasons, etc. Inclusion is going to be critical. And what does that mean? That means we have to break down bias. We have to think about what our biases are. We have to understand them. And we have to say, are those real or are those things that we've just learned of over time? And if we built a relationship with somebody, got to know their values, and what made them tick, maybe we'd see things in a different way. And we'd understand that our biases come from where we hail and not from a world or a global view. So we're coming up to break. I want to continue these 12 tenets because I think they're so important as we think about being leaders in this next today and going forward in the future. And there's a number of other ones that are really, really powerful. Stay with me, and then we're going to be answering some of your critical questions. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time 
for our special series on game-changing HR leaders. Learn how you can become the savvy leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next wave of business innovation. Game-Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. This is my anniversary show of the I Lead, the Leadership Connection, the Linda Sharkey Show. And I'm just so privileged to have be coming up on a whole year of doing this. And again, having wonderful, wonderful guests from whom I have learned so much. And I was talking about some of the things that I've learned, which have become themes of what I see as the new tenets of the world of work. We were talking about inclusion, uh, leadership, self-leaders who really care about others. Um, Another one is culture. Culture is king. And you've probably heard me say this before, I did my dissertation on organizational culture when people thought, oh, that's crazy, that's soft, that's touchy-feely stuff. Well, it just turns out through all the research and all the work that's been done, culture is a critical component of whether your company can sustain itself or not. And leaders need to pay attention to the culture that they're creating. In fact, one of the questions that came in is, how do you deal with toxic leaders? And I'll, I'll be addressing that shortly. So culture is king. Learn about your culture. Understand your culture and how it works. And don't believe your Kool-Aid. You know, don't drink the Kool-Aid and say, oh, it really is exactly like our values and what we say. Find out. Because most times, the values and platitudes on your wall don't match the day-to-day experience that people have. And how do you know? If you have a lot of high turnover, if you have low employee engagement scores, if you have people grumbling, if you have poor quality issues, if you have a lack of innovation, if you have some integrity issues, these are all signals that things may need to change. The other thing that became increasingly clear is that the new workforce, in the next couple of years, it's going to be over 50% millennials. Well, it was very surprising because I've done a lot of research now on millennials, and it seems as though they want very similar things from everyone else. But their differences is that they have different tools, they're faster, they leverage technology quicker, they can find out if things are going well or not going well, they can find out about your company in a heartbeat, they can find out, you know, who's a good leader, who isn't, and they make decisions about that. The other thing about millennials that we all need to understand 
is many of them will have over 35 jobs in the next, you know, throughout their career. And they have a lot of options. They want to learn. We wanted to learn too. But often we would stand by the wayside and keep a job hoping that it would get better until something better came along. Millennials are much more aggressive about what they're going to get from a job, what they're going to have an opportunity to provide, what they're going to have an opportunity to learn. And that's something we're all going to have to think about and we're all going to have to adjust uh, our workplace as a result of that. The other thing is creating, I love this, this came from Reed Hoffman's book, uh, The Alliance, and our discussion with uh, his co-author, Tours of Duty. Now, Tours of Duty are not new. You know, if you have millennials uh, who are, are looking for what they can learn, what they can t- contribute, tours of duty are a great thing because what happens is you lay out, here's over three years. Here's what I'd like you to do. Here's what you'll need to do this year. And here's how we're going to know you're going to be successful. And we're going to talk about it along the way, just like you do a tour of duty. And when that year is over... Or six months or four months, every four months or so, we're going to do an after-action review. Another military term, after-action review. What went well here? What didn't? What do I have to do in the next quarter to make it better? Simple stuff, but real stuff. So tours of duty, very important. Don't put people in a box. People don't like to be put in a box. No one ever did, really. I mean, one of the reasons why people hate performance management is because, well, if you're not the top 20%, you know, you're... you. You feel bad about that. You want to be the top 20%. You don't want to be the muddle in the middle. And you certainly don't want to be in the bottom 10. So whenever we put people in boxes, we make people defensive. Now, that does not mean that people don't want feedback. They do. They want to know how they're doing. But how you say it, how you articulate where they stand, what they need to do differently is so important. And we've learned that from neuroscience, the other thing we have to consider in this new world of work. We're learning so much about the new frontier of the human mind that we know now that people, if they are put in a box, they get defensive. So neuroscience is going to play a whole lot in helping us think about how we develop people, how we engage people, how we get people excited, how we help people innovate, and how we create a culture that really where people can live their dreams, because that's what I'm all about, where people can live their dreams. The last couple really are are sort of self-evident. You know, ranking is out. Performance management is out. You've probably been following this uh, all along. But performance excellence is in. And a lot of people asked me, how do you create a performance excellence system? How do you keep the best from performance management, and there were some great things from it. And how do you get rid of all the cumbersome stuff that's in there that just makes people squirm? So we're going to be talking about that. So all of these things I see coming down the pike require us to really be reflective, to build relationships, to drive forward with purpose. Purpose and values are another important factor. You know, you ask leaders today and you should ask yourself, what is your purpose? What is it really? And do you really even know? And sometimes when I ask leaders that, and sometimes when I ask myself, I get a little knot in my stomach when I first ask myself that question. 
What is that purpose? Well, mine is pretty clear. I really believe in building great leaders and great workplaces where people can live their dreams. That's what I do. That's what I want to do. That makes me excited. And when I see people living their dreams, I just, it's, it's what I'm all about. So purpose and values is another cornerstone that we're seeing so essential in the new world of work. I really think that values, more so than competencies, is going to have such an impact. Because if you say this is what you value, is your behavior consistent with that? And you need to make sure that your leader's behavior is consistent with that. And not every place does. So these are the things we all have to consider as we go forward. Building relationships, understanding our purpose, being clear on our values, not being top-down leaders, not being command and control, creating a great culture, understanding that globality is not going away. We're a global world and we have to be inclusive as a result of that. And, you know, that we have to be agile. We have to be fast. And we have to understand that people want to be respected, want to have a say, want to be engaged. And our strategies have got to reflect that. So that leads me to the first question that somebody asked me. And actually, it wasn't one question. There were quite a number. And what I did was I went through all the questions, and I kind of put them into themes. And the first one, not surprisingly, which I happen to love this theme, is toxic leadership. What do you do with toxic leaders? Well, first of all, you get rid of them. If they won't change, you have no other choice but to move them out of your company. And I tell you, you've probably heard the story a million times. Oh, so-and-so is the best at this and the brightest at that. And, you know, yeah, he's tough on his staff. And, yeah, he's abusive. And, yeah, he or she calls people names. You know what? That's costing you money. They may be the best and the brightest at what they do, but they're burning people out. They're flaming people out. They're costing you your brand They're putting a bad mark on your company. And the only people that can do something about toxic leaders are their bosses and the other people around them. So you have to move forward and address them. You've got to get rid of them. So here's my specific rule on this. And it's three times you're out rule. Now, you know, you have to help people. So the first thing is you got to call the behavior. You got to call the elephant in the room. If you know it's there, you got to call it and you got to say this is what's going on and this is the impact. Then you have to say, how is this impacting you? That's the next question. Do you feel good about how you're interacting with people? Odds are the answer to that is no. Third question is, how would you like to interact with folks and they'll tell you and they'll blame it on everybody else of why they can't their team's no good people don't understand and then you have to say to them then what do you need to do to get your team up to speed and then we talk about the behavior that they must exhibit and then we give them coaching around that behavior now if somebody says to you that they don't believe that they need to change then your next answer is then you need to see the door You need to help them to the door in a respectful way because people will be watching how you do this. But you need to show them the door in a respectful way. But you need to show them the door. If they don't believe 
that they have to change. Now, I'm going to add a little sequel to this. I have seen people, I have personally taken toxic individuals through what I call my six-step process, which is putting the elephant on the, on the table, getting them to articulate how they want to be viewed in the future, how do they like their relationships now, identifying that one behavior through 360s. I usually do 360 feedback, and I usually collect data uh, from people around them and give them the unvarnished truth. I had one gentleman just recently that people unanimously said he was a real, I'll let you fill in the blank hole. And clearly he was. He decided he needed to really do something about it. And he's made wonderful, wonderful strides. But if you do have somebody that says, it's not me, it's them, show them the door because you are wasting your time and your money. You need to spend coaching time with them. You need to have a regular check-in with them around their behavior. You need to talk to other people around them to find out how they're doing and give them that feedback, measure progress. And you need to make it their responsibility and their accountability to change. If you do those things, toxic people usually do turn around because I've found that most of them, deep down, know they're toxic, really don't want to operate that way, and most people really want to be loved. But you have to have that conversation with them. You have to put the elephant on the table and don't shy away from it. If you allow toxic people to stay in your organization, you have sent a huge message to everyone else that that's okay and that it's okay for them to be that way. And then guess what? Your culture will reflect that. It will be a toxic culture. And once your culture gets toxic, believe me, as somebody who's done many, many cultural transformations, it's a long and hard road to change it. A long, hard, and I might add, expensive road to change it. So another question that came up um, is really around this issue of uh, performance management. So stay with me. We're going to talk about performance management in the next segment. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. 
We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. This is my anniversary show. I'm coming up on one year, which you probably all heard me say, and frankly, I'm kind of <laughs> glad I got through this whole thing. I, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do this and sustain this, but it's been really great and um, largely largely, completely because of a great listener base and because of guests really willing to come on the show and just share their thoughts. Speaking of which, I was talking about performance management. I spent time talking about it. Um, You obviously, if you listen to the show regularly, know that I believe it is something that absolutely needs to change. I said it in the beginning of this show. So how do you do it? I got many, many questions from people. Specifically, how do you move from a performance management system to a performance excellence system? And here's where I like to underscore a point. Your performance excellence system has got to be in line with your culture. If you're trying to create a culture of inclusion, you're trying to create a culture of uh, supporting each other, developing people, of excellence, of making sure that, you know, you're customer focused, a way overused word, but that you're delivering excellent products, etc. Your performance management or performance excellence system has got to be aligned with that. And that's so important because many people put all these processes and systems in place without really looking at the bigger strategic picture of your organization or your company. And when you don't do that, you could have processes and tools which are having a net opposite effect or positive effect on the culture that you're trying to create. And performance management is clearly one of those things. So here I've written many blogs on it, um, and they're, they're on my website, actually. But here's the things that my experience and my consulting and coaching to others has said you need to think about in order to put a performance excellence system in place. Many of these you probably are already doing. But the first one I said before is purpose. Be crystal clear about the purpose of your performance system. What's the people philosophy that you're trying to promote through the system? Is it development Is it that you want people to stay? Is it that you want people to rotate through various parts of your company? Is it that you want people to learn new skills? Is it, what is, why are you doing this? And that fundamental question needs to be answered. And then the other piece is 
What are your values? And have you aligned this system to your values? I said before, values are so important. And everybody needs to understand what they are and what those values look like in action. And what I say to people and what I've done in many organizations is create that discussion document of the values in action. Here are the values when they're really being displayed in behavioral terms when they're at their best. So people can see that. They can read it. Not a lot of gobbledygook words, but true behaviors. Someone who values uh, listening is someone who asks questions and does not do all the talking. So, so people can identify it so other leaders can learn, ah, this is what that value means. And then you have to explain to people, what's it look like when it's okay? And what does it look like when it's really not where you want those values to be? And that helps people. It's a learning document. It's a communication document. And that's got to be tied to your performance management and, and performance excellence discussions. Then you have to train your leaders and managers to recognize this great behavior and how to assess talent against these behaviors and provide specific, actionable feedback. You know, you just can't assume that everybody knows what the values look like in action. I often go in an organization and I'll take uh, leadership team retreats and we'll go through and say, tell me what these values look like in action. And they know. And they articulate the four or five top things that leaders have to do and what they don't look like, what, what, what they look like when they're not being performed well. That is such a great and powerful exercise. And it's a learning experience that puts it into the language of your own company. And then you have to create peer coaching around it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about peer coaching uh, before this program is over because many people ask me about that. Finally, peer coaching, just, just as, a, as, a, uh, as, a, as a note, is something that really helps each other, peers, groove new behaviors aligned with the values. And not finally, I shouldn't have said this, but create a form that really helps people capture the essence of what they were supposed to do. What are the expectations for the year? Four or five. What are the key agreed to outcomes that you're going to be looking for? And what are the behaviors that somebody's going to need to demonstrate? What are the things that somebody's going to need to learn? And how can we work on this together? And this kind of becomes a little personal one-page, you know, learning document and guide that Actually, I advocate that the employee fills out for themselves and then sits down and, and reviews it and discusses it with the manager. And this becomes the basis for weekly, bi-weekly coaching, discussion sessions with the manager. So somebody can clearly get ideas, feedback. One company, GE, actually, I was there just recently. They are in the process of revising their performance management system to more of a performance excellence system. They have a place uh, online where people can say, I'd like you to consider doing something, and I think you should do more of whatever X is. So people can get real-time feedback and ideas on how to make their project or their, their work product better. It's a great tool. It's fast. It's real-time. And then 
you have to measure and track uh, the, the, the system. Is it getting the desired culture that you want? You've got to examine your employee engagement scores. One of the things that I think are really important is to tie employee engagement scores of leaders into your performance excellence system. So leaders can see, gee, I, I, need, to, I need to move the needle on my employee engagement scores. And I need to understand what's going on in my culture to help move that needle. Link all your talent and performance discussions together to make sure you're sending a consistent message. When you're having talent discussions, coaching sessions, and even uh, overall performance calibration discussions. Take, Take out the ratings. Think of some language that fits with your organization and your values. Exemplars of the values. Drives results. Exceeds results. Great talent. And then you do have to have some category which says, you know, not sure this person is is cut out for this organization. And finally, you've got to communicate, communicate, communicate. You have to make sure that people understand the decisions that are made around talent, why certain people fall into certain categories, and how important the balance is between the values that you hold dear in your company, by the way, the values are underpinnings of your culture, and the, the striving for excellent performance and excellent results. And that's what the discussion should be. But they should be regular discussions, ongoing discussions. Like I said, a one-page personal contract sort of a service level agreement between yourself and your employee or your own boss that you use throughout the year as your guidepost. And I think if people start doing those kind of approaches, and many companies are leaning in that direction, GE has found as they tested this that actually people did better differentiation where they used a more... uh, agile approach to performance management, quote-unquote, and gave more power to the manager that they were able to see that the manager effectively and fairly differentiated his or her talent at compensation time, which I think is pretty telling. The other piece that came up was the whole notion of global leaders, How do you develop global leaders was a consistent question that came up across the board. So many companies and so many organizations are facing leadership challenges from leaders in other parts of the world, through mergers, through acquisitions, through integrations, gaining different perspectives and different cultures in their organization, needing to send home leaders off to other places, uh, to build the business, to grow the business, and how do you develop great global leaders? Well, first, I'm going to start by saying, just because somebody is a top talent in your home country or at your headquarters does not necessarily they're going to be a top talent in Dubai. People have different makeups and different perspectives, 
And some people can be great in one environment, in a local environment, and not so great in an environment that causes a different way of thinking. So I always say, don't assume that somebody is going to be successful and be a guide for your company because they're a great leader in your hometown. Now, I think most companies need both. Most companies need great local leaders who aspire to be great local leaders and great what we call trans-global leaders, people who can work effectively around the world. Now, how do you develop that cadre of great global leaders who can help sustain your business, grow talent on the local level, grow their own successors? Here's my prescription for doing that. Stay with me. We're going to be talking about this in our next segment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and we are talking about how do you develop global leaders, what we call trans-global leaders. And for those of you that may or may not know, uh, myself and my co-authors have written a book called Winning with Trans-Global Leaders. It really discusses the whole issue of global leaders and then has a whole section of how you design your organizations for global leadership uh, and how you... 
assess and develop global leaders and how you build inclusivity into the whole process. So needless to say, it's my book. So and our book and, you know, we love the book. It, it actually has won several awards. So um, it's on Amazon if you're interested. But first step is to assess the leader. And there are a number of assessment tools out there. Obviously, I'm going to plug our own trans-global leadership assessment, which is based on our research, pretty robust research, on what it takes to be a global leader. And we found five critical dimensions. They're spelled out in the book, and I've spelled them out before. But assess the leader or the potential candidate and get a pulse on their strength and development areas, especially for those that you're sending into global assignments. Then you need to work with the leader to understand the results, as you would with any assessment. Um, many Fortune 500 companies are using our Transglobal Leader Assessment in their uh, international leadership development programs and as they send leaders off to from one home country to another uh, to help them get prepared. You take the data and then you use that to develop a personal action plan for success. Now, these are not... Uh, startling things but I think it's best if you can put somebody into a one two or three day experience where they can work through some of the issues and challenges together a group of leaders who are going to be taking on global assignments it should be part of what every company does before they send somebody off uh, on a global assignment most companies what they do actually is give somebody cultural training uh, you know, like bend, you know, um, bow, shake, those kinds of things. What's the culture? And that's that's good. I'm not saying that's that's bad, but that's not what really trips most global leaders up. It's really their own behavior and their and, and learning how to assimilate and to work well with others. So the five dimensions I think are really critically more important. So we put people through a three to four day workshop where they can share their experiences. They go through a simulation, which is a very in-depth, powerful simulation. Then they have a discussion around organizational culture. They discuss their feedback results. They spend time talking about their action plan, their first 30, 60, 90 days, what they're going to do, what are the things that are going to be potential challenges for them, etc. And then we provide ongoing support groups with a master coach. So we bring these people back together on a regular basis, usually for a half hour, uh, twice a month. And it's not very time consuming. It's only a half hour and they can be done virtually. We usually assign a master coach so that uh, they can lead the discussion and make sure people stay on track and they talk about their experiences, what they are learning, and they give each other suggestions and ideas. The other thing that you have to do as somebody is on a global assignment or leading global teams, bring them back together periodically and ask these three questions. What do you wish you had known beforehand that we could have helped you with or the organization could have helped you with? What have you learned that will be helpful to others as they go into global assignments? And then the third thing is, what do you need and want to do next after this assignment? Because there's a very important thing here that you need to know. Many people go on global assignments or get a virtual global team that they lead and then come back to their home country or their home office 
and they're not quite as valued for the experiences that they've had. And they have a whole lot of different experience at the quote unquote, the headquarters. And they look around and they leave. And that to me is very surprising. When they leave, it is really important that they remember all of the great experiences that, that they've had. But most importantly, you've spent all this time developing these people and they end up leaving and you've lost all the great knowledge that they have. So when you're bringing them back, you need to be thinking about how you can use them as mentors, as developers of other people in assignments, uh, other assignments around the world, because if they were successful once, they could be successful again. So those are really important tips. The final piece I'd like to say on this before we sign off is don't forget the family. 48% of people who move overseas flame out, uh, of those who flame out, flame out because of their family. So, you know, the same thing. We do exactly the same thing with significant other spouse and children. We do an assessment. We talk about what do you think are going to be the biggest challenges. How do you think you're going to need to assimilate? What help are you going to need? Because remember, the spouse goes off into already existing job. The other significant other or spouse has to create their own world for themselves. And they need help and they need support and they need relationships and they need a support group. And I say to you, that is so, so important. So I didn't have a chance on this show to get to the peer coaching, and many, many people ask me, how do you put in place peer coaching? Well, we do a lot around peer coaching. We have a peer coaching guide. We have a peer coaching process. We train leaders in peer coaching. We provide master coaches uh, to the coaching circles till they get grooved and people understand how to give each other constructive and helpful future-focused um, development feedback. And then we teach people internally to be master coaches of coaching circles. And I will tell you, the results have been astounding. In one particular company, we taught, we did coaching circles with the senior executive team, the leadership team of the company, and then we cascaded it down to the next level. And the leadership team really embraced the concept so much so that they wanted to be trained to be master coaches of the coaching circles for the next level down. And they did that, and it was totally transformative. So I started the show by saying, transformation is going to be so essential going forward. The coaching circles were transformational for these senior leaders. And they learned skills to help them transition to being better coaches and listening to people and helping people be better. And they personally evolved themselves. And I had so many of them tell me, wow, I wish I'd learned this way earlier in my life and in my career. I've brought all this stuff also home. I have a better relationship with my wife. I have a better relationship with my significant other. And I have a better relationship with my children, my family, and my friends. It's been truly transformational for me. So, final point, 
If you're looking for a great keynote speaker, you want somebody to talk on some of these issues, contact me. If you want help in developing global leaders, if you want help in building the 12 tenets of the new world of work, contact me at www.lindasharkey.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And thanks for staying with me on my one-year anniversary show. It's been a real hoot. And I look forward to another great successful year with terrific guests. I've got a bunch lined up from now until the end of the year. You're going to love the next uh, show. It's all about um, transforming a rather difficult hospitality business using specific techniques into a real powerhouse of positive, constructive, high-performing culture. It's going to be a great show. Again, thanks for being with me. Thanks for listening. It's been really a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thank you.